0: Feels like church is we're back in the Old Testament and we're Moses going through the desert and we're following a cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night and uh, you've really got to stay on top of it. So we don't have clouds and fire anymore. We just have phones, but uh, it's the same kind of idea. So God bless you. You can tell if you know if you're really in that you're you can be here. I guess is. It's just hard to find, so well done for being here, and we hope that we're able to uh, have something a little bit more permanent soon. We started a series last week called Relational Rhythms, and the idea is, is that there are, if we want to have a relationship with God, it helps to do some things. That relationship doesn't just kind of happen spontaneously, we actually need to uh, participate in that relationship and do some things. The classic way that this is described in Christianity is called spiritual disciplines, but that sounds horrible. So we called it uh, relational, well, relational rhythms as a, as a way to really explain what it's about. But that there are things, as we do them, you're going to find that you have a brand new relationship with God simply by practicing certain things. And what we're going to be looking at today is a topic of prayer. Uh, and as we pray, I know it just sounds like you know you don't have to write this down because it's just so obvious, but as we pray, our relationship with God changes. I'd like to kind of introduce the idea by talking about anxiety. If you've been in our church at all, you've heard me talk about anxiety because it's such a big deal in the Bible. Uh, I didn't know this growing up. I don't think I had ever heard somebody preach on anxiety or an unhealthy or debilitating fear. I don't think I ever heard anybody preach on it until maybe, maybe a decade ago. Uh, it just wasn't a thing. And then I did a study on anxiety and discovered that it's the emotional issue that God addresses in the Bible. It's a kind of fear that, uh, that steers us away from trusting in him and causes all kinds of difficulties in our life. Not only is it a main emotional issue in the Bible, I'd say the main issue in the Bible, it's also the main issue that we're seeing in society today, isn't it? Especially during this pandemic, uh, anxiety is a really big deal. And if you don't suffer from anxiety in some degree, um, it probably means that you're on relatively um, massive amounts of medication, or you haven't got out much. Because anxiety is a big deal, and I think that to varying degrees, we all struggle with it. So uh, you can tell if you these are the two signs that you know that you're struggling with anxiety. And I've, I've changed these words over and over again over the years, and these are my favorite as of, you know, the last year. And it's to be controlling or closed. So if you struggle, um, with anxiety it looks like one of two things. You become kind of controlling because anxiety you feel out of control. So what do you want to you know what do you do? You want to be you want to live a more controlled life and things need to be predictable and uh, 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 you can you can plan ahead and it's kind of a way to decrease the whirlwind that goes on in our mind. The other way that anxiety manifests itself is through being closed closed is just uh, pulling away from relationship. It's too difficult to be around people. Uh, They are unpredictable. Uh, They cause angst. So I'm just going to pull away from relationship, try to regroup, and find myself. So if that's where you find yourself being sometimes, is you find yourself trying to grab hold of life and, and... you know, kind of make sense of things or you find yourself pulling away, those are probably signs that you're struggling with anxiety. Now, here's what's interesting. When we look at the popular way that people deal with anxiety is to become more controlled and more closed. That's typically what we see. So if you struggle from anxiety, you might feel as though the way that you're going to feel more peace in your life is if your life gets somehow smaller and more contained, and easier to manage. It's just too chaotic. And so peace equals becoming more controlled. One of the things that I hear people talk about all the time is um, I'm learning how to say no. Have you ever said that before? I'm learning how to say no. Uh, We've regressed, you know, to our terrible twos. We're learning how to say no again. And this idea is is that, and here's here's my big problem with it, There's lots of good things about saying no. We should say no to lots of things, particularly sin. But uh, we don't say no to that quite so much. But here's what we typically say no to. And it's this idea that, uh, and this has become such a big deal for me. Anyways, it's this idea that I can be too loving. And that love is exhausting and it creates anxiety. And I'm just saying yes too many times, to caring for other people and, um, you know, being busy with relationship. And so uh, if I want to feel less anxiety, I have to say no to being in relationship because it's too overwhelming. I really don't think that's true. I don't see any support in the Bible that ever says we should measure out the amount of love that we participate in. I have never read a Bible verse that says that. We see the opposite in John chapter 4, when Jesus is ministering to the woman at the well. And uh, after a very long and exhausting day, he's hungry. His disciples go in to find some food in the village. He ends up striking up this conversation with this woman. Powerful moment. Uh, But again, more ministry, more loving. The disciples come back with some food. And he says, I already have food that you know know nothing about. He wondered where they, you know, the disciples wonder where he got some extra food. And he says, no, um, I'm nourished. My food is to do the will of my Father. And so what we find when Jesus did ministry, it refreshed him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that ministry, caring for other people, is refreshing to your soul? I just think that's remarkable. But our society says, you've got to be careful how much you love others. Be careful, because it could make you very anxious, very stressed out, and you could have a really chaotic life. I have a problem with that, because I just don't see it in the Bible. So that's a popular response. That's kind of what our, our flesh wants to do when we're not feeling in control of life, is to make life smaller, make life more closed. What's the biblical response to anxiety? It's to pray. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, this is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The antidote that's presented in the Bible, the antidote to anxiety, is to pray. That's just amazing. That I think of lots of other things to do. I mean, maybe I say help. But I think of lots of other things that come to my mind when I'm feeling anxious. Prayer isn't always one of them. So I would like to spend some, a little bit of time looking at prayer as kind of an, a, an antidote to anxiety. There's lots of ways to look at prayer, but this is the one that I think uh, came to my mind, and I hope that it's helpful based on Philippians chapter 4. So we have two questions we're going to ask today. The first is, how does prayer reduce anxiety? How does prayer reduce anxiety? Well, it is the opposite of being controlling and closed. It's the opposite. It's maybe why we don't pray much. But first of all, prayer is the opposite of being closed. Prayer makes life a relational experience. It makes life a relational experience. In this verse, it says, In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation... The uh, here's what it says. Now listen very closely. It doesn't say about you. Don't pray about every situation. You pray in every situation. So what that means is is that you're always praying. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5:17, it says to pray continually. In other versions, it says to pray without ceasing. Prayer is a way of living. It's it's barely an activity. Prayer, in, we pray, we talk with God. That's all prayer is. You talk with God in every situation. So, uh, I think, I, I'm sorry to be talking about myself. I think in prayer. So, I watch people uh, walking on the street and I look at them and I go, Who are you, like, who are you talking, what are you thinking about? What goes through your mind? Because I'm pretty sure you're, you're, you don't know Jesus. So in our City, the odds are high. And so what are you doing in your head? That's got to be lonely. That all of your thoughts, all the things that are whirring through your mind are just a monologue. It's just you talking to yourself. Well, if all that you have is you working through whatever situation you find yourself in, that's going to produce a lot of anxiety. Because you think about all that could go wrong, and you think about what's not great about yourself and how you're not very good in these kind of situations, and you can't control anybody else's reaction. Well, life becomes very stressful very quickly simply because your engagement in any given moment is going to be mostly about yourself. My anxiety goes up uh, proportionally to how little I pray. Prayer is not doing this. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. And so uh, this has changed my life. That I I walk into the building today, and I'm just seeing all of you, and I'm talking to my father about you. Sheila, it was just so great to see you when I when you I, I didn't see you when you I, maybe you came in a little bit late I didn't see you and then I saw you and I just thought oh father thank you so much that Sheila's here today and I see people coming in and I'm talking with God about you I'm not talking with myself about you I'm talking with God about you it's a way of living. And if you're not praying, your experience of life is lonely. You know, anxiety is linked to loneliness. You know that, right? Anxiety is linked to loneliness. The more that you get in your own head and you don't talk, what's the, one of the main things that they know about counseling? One of the best things about counseling is what Jessica said, one of the best things about counseling. Is that you verbalize what's going on in your mind? And that's incredibly therapeutic. All, uh, m- all most counseling models today are called talk therapy. They're just talking out loud, and that helps you. Well, imagine if the person you're talking to, like, made you, and then made this world, and that you get to talk to him all day long. This changes everything to me. It makes life a relational experience as we pray. So again, it's only because I've been a Christian for a really long time, but sometimes I'll talk. I I prefer to be the negative example, so it's awkward for me talking like this. But I'll listen to people, and they'll say, I haven't prayed for a month, and I'm thinking, like, who have you talked to? Like when you're on the bus, that's going to be weird if you talk to other people. We know better than that. And uh, and if you and if like if you're going in every situation, you're just by yourself. That's horrible. It's horrible to be by yourself. We don't ever have to be by ourselves. We can pray. In any moment, in every situation. Isn't that encouraging? That's what prayer is to me. It's an ongoing conversation with my father. And uh, you know, I, I I'm sitting there and I'm I'm saying, Father, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be speaking in a moment. And uh, that that brings me anxiety. I don't like standing in front of people, it makes me awkward. And so I and I just talked to him about that. And I and I I bring who I am to my Father all day long. That's what prayer is. So prayer reduces anxiety because it reduces loneliness. You're engaged with the living God. And we're no not are we we're not closed, but we're also not controlling. Prayer asks God to be in control. So the popular solution to pray to anxiety. is for you to be in control. You got to take control of your life. I promise you, if you walk down that road, your life will get smaller and smaller and smaller. I've watched it happen. You just have an incredibly small life, and you're still going to feel anxious. Instead, we need God to be in control. It says, uh, in every situation, by prayer and petition." Prayer is constantly asking God for help. It's constantly talking to Him, and then it's asking Him for help. It's prayer and petition. Uh, I think about uh, I think about parenting in this regard, and as a parent, a large amount of my children's interaction with me is in the form of requests when they were when they were little. You know, it's just mostly about food or, you know, can we play? And as they get older, it's now about advice or, you know, can I have a car? <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a frequent <laughs> request. But here's what I, here's what I've noticed about kids who don't have a healthy relationship with their parents. They don't ask for very much. Kids who have a healthy relationship with their parents are free to ask for things all the time without shame. It's a sign of health. If you and I aren't asking God for things, it's a sign of dysfunction in our relationship with our Heavenly Father because kids are always asking their parents for stuff. It's what we do. as my kids are getting older now, they're all, most of them, are young adults. And, uh, and I watch them uh, try to be an adult. And one of the things that I've noticed, not just in my kids, but much wider than that, is that the idea of adulthood is independence. If I'm an adult, It means that I don't need anybody anymore. And so I'm going to walk down a road of self-sufficiency and prove that I'm an adult. I don't see any description in Scripture that describes adulthood like that. Adulthood makes you more dependent, more needy, more connected, more involved, more inconvenienced. Uh, Adulthood, a mature person understands their limitations, and needs God and others. That's an adult. Not in a irresponsible or entitled kind of way. But I I watched this, right? One of the things that really struck me when we went to Israel, the first time I remember going to Israel, they showed, we walked in a village that was at Jesus' time. And in that village, each Kind of city block. The block wasn't much bigger than this room, okay? But each city block was basically one house. There was a courtyard in the middle, and then the 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 living quarters were around that middle courtyard. The reason for that is the streets were very narrow and scary, so you had to have your kids play in a safe place. And it was in the middle of the courtyard. And if you got and if you got married, uh, then what you would do is they would take one of the rooms, get some stones, and divide it in half. You got to live with your in-laws. Isn't that great? This is what you did. And I think about that now, and I think, who wants that? No, I want to start my own life. I want my own house. You know, I want my own car. I don't want to need other people. And so you have a culture that is pursuing self-sufficiency, which is, hear this, opposed to prayer. It's why we're not a praying culture. Is because everything in our culture is leading towards independence, not towards neediness. And there's something remarkable about people who are able to see their need of God and their need of others, and the need of God looks like prayer and petition. So anxiety is linked to feeling powerless. The antidote to that is to need God, not to become self-sufficient. So do you see how sinister and evil and powerful anxiety is in your life and mine? It leads you to have a small life and a self-sufficient life. It leads you away from God. Prayer sends you you and I in the opposite direction. It sends us into relationship, and it sends us into trusting in a greater power to lead our lives instead of us. I find myself, as I grow older, becoming more and more needy of God. I just need him all the time. I can't go into a moment without him. I just can't survive it. I'm so riddled with anxiety. My anxiety is through the roof. I've suffered with it all my life. And if my father isn't with me, and if he doesn't answer my requests, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's one final point, and then we'll we'll go into the last point. Uh, it's notice that this asking is always with thanksgiving. It's not about being entitled. It's not about being irresponsible. It's just, Father, I mean, I'd love to take control. I just can't. I'm not that smart. I'm not that strong. I don't have as good enough connections. I just need you, and I'm so thankful. We're going to spend a whole week on thanksgiving gratitude. I'm so thankful that I have a father that I can trust, that I can come to, that knows me. And when I ask something, they don't you don't get frustrated with me. You go, I'd, I'd love to be near you. I'd love to tell you what's true in this moment. I'd love to be a comfort. No, you're not inconveniencing me at all. I love it when you ask. Any of you who are parents, do you get, I mean, you miss being asked for things as your kids get older. Because it means so much to you. It's part of what relationship with an authority figure is like. You ask them for stuff. It's what we do if we have a healthy relationship with God. Do you ask him for things? Is it only when it's going super, super bad that you, you know, it's a Hail Mary, you know, prayer? Or are you always asking? I think we should always be asking God for stuff with Thanksgiving. So prayer reduces anxiety. By being neither controlled or closed, we ask God to be in control, and we draw near to him. Given its importance, how do we practice prayer? I'll say two things and then close. How do we practice prayer? We recognize that anxiety is also a practice or a choice. Listen to this. This is going to be radical for you. Philippians 4, 6 starts this way. Okay, this is wrong in our culture Here's what it says: do not be anxious. Stop it. Don't be anxious about anything. No, 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 I'm really stressed out. Yeah, don't be. What's what's the what's your response as well as mine to that verse? That's wrong. Because anxiety is not a choice. It just comes over me. I can't control when it happens. So for you to say, don't be anxious, it's like saying, you know, don't breathe or don't think, or don't do something that's just automatic. And Scripture comes along and says, you know how prayer is a choice? We go, oh, yeah, I have to choose to pray. I get that. Scripture says that anxiety is as much a choice as prayer would be. Isn't that incredible? That you and I are choosing to be anxious. Oh, that's hard to grab hold of. Doesn't feel like it, does it? Scripture tells us that we're making choices all the time. We don't have just neutral moments of non-choices. And anxiety is one of the choices that we make. And when we make the choice to be anxious we are making the choice to not pray. To not petition. We're making the choice to be self-contained and to live in the whirlwind. And it's no wonder that it drives us crazy. Okay, that's radical. Point number two. Choose a new habit to break the old habit. So if anxiety is the, it feels like the natural way that we're engaging in a moment. If you heard this, uh, I'm sure you've heard it, but it takes a habit to break a habit. Have you ever heard that saying before? It takes a habit to break a habit. For sure, that's true. So the only way, this is the only way that we will ever uh, overcome anxiety, and I think we will always have anxiety for as long as we live. But the only way that we will, anxiety will be reduced in our life is if we replace it with a new habit. Anxiety is a habit. It doesn't wash over us. It's a habit. It's how we approach life. And God is saying, approach life in prayer. Have a new habit of engaging in moments. Oh, man, I just don't want us to grab hold of this. So what is the old habit that we need to break? Is passively believing whatever enters our minds. That's the old habit. It just comes in. Oh, I guess I'm believing that now, because I just had that feeling and I just had that thought. Oh, that's my reality. Whatever comes into my mind, whatever enters my heart, oh, that's what's true now for me. Uh, this is what First Timothy four. I was meeting with somebody this week and we were talking about this verse and it just applies. 1 Timothy 4 1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith. So, this is people who are Christians. Some will abandon the faith and get this and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by who? Demons. What if our mind is not a neutral space? What if our mind is either filled with thoughts from demonic forces? or a conversation with our Heavenly Father? What if that's really what's going on? I think secular society says, no, that's not true. There's this thing called you in your mind as an isolated bubble. You're not a relational being. You can just live in a bubble and have your own little thoughts. And then you have to think about having a relationship. Scripture says that you and I, are these thoughts that come through our mind, that produce anxiety and uh, alienation, independence. These come from demons, teaching us not to trust in God, but to be independent. And those are actually demonic thoughts. They're not innocent thoughts. And if we would know that, I think you and I would be terrified of much of what we think. That it's not just... A thought. It has a source, and that source has an agenda. And to break the habit of, wow, it's just hard to say out loud, to break the habit of listening to demons is to listen to God. It takes a habit to break a habit. The only way that we will not be listening to demons is if we listen to the Spirit of God And what is that new habit then? That new habit is to actively pray and petition. And as our mind is filled with that, then it, our, our mind is, is crowds out demonic impressions that try to lead us toward being controlling and closed. Just close with an example, and we'll wrap up. Um, I mentioned a long time ago, I, I, I started about three years ago. I went to a new kind of physiotherapy, and it's called uh, connect therapy. I had a, a pain in my in my knee, and I couldn't ride. I could ride my mountain bike, but I couldn't ride my road bike for longer than 20 minutes without excruciating pain. So much so that I couldn't ride. I couldn't ride my road bike anymore; it just hurt too much. Went to all kinds of physiotherapists, and uh, and then. Uh, uh, Mark Penner told me about this other kind of physiotherapy. This is not an advertising for physiotherapy, but um, so I go to this physiotherapist, and what she does is really, really awkward. What she does is she she puts her she's standing behind you, and she puts her hands in your armpits. It is really, really awkward, and uh, and then she and then she'll put one of her toes in the back of your heel. It's like you're weird. And uh, But here's what happens, is as she's doing whatever she is she's doing, I am like, <laughs> I have never felt this straight and aligned for like, since I was a kid. And I'm like this, I, I don't know what you're doing, but this is amazing. I have grown three inches simply by you putting your hands in my armpits. And, I'm, and she says, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to let go. And, and the first time she lets go, I do this. And I go, this is how I walk through life. And I just just didn't know that. I just thought this was normal. But for a moment, I was Superman. And then I'm back to normal again. And then she says, here's what I need you to do. There's two exercises. And they're all going to be about doing two things. Get this. I need you to lengthen the muscle between your shoulder blades. Okay, all of you try to do that right now. It's impossible. Like, there is no muscle there, as far as I can tell. Like, there's a shoulder blade, and there's nothing in the middle. And she says, I want you to lengthen the muscle between your shoulder blades, and I want you to lengthen your big toe on your right foot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And she says, okay, I want you to practice. And I go, (laughs) I don't even know what to do, you know? And she goes, there, you've got it. (laughs) I guess I've got it. My toe is longer and I've lengthened <laughs> like I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just thinking about it. And I go for 10 times and I have no more knee pain. And I it's I haven't had it now for three years. I have no more knee pain. Because I lengthened my big toe. Okay, here's here's what I think getting over anxiety should be like. Getting over anxiety should be lifting large weights and just grunting and straining and conquering anxiety. That's what I think it should be like. I think it should be about bench presses. I don't know what the names of things are called. And squats. Do you guys do this? Okay, good, I knew another thing. And you're going to do squats, and there's going to be like, and you're going to say, how much did you press? And then you're going to say a number, and going, Whoa, you go, wow. Okay, and I'm lengthening the uh, thing and going <laughs> between my shoulder blades. It's easier, and it changed me in a way that all the other big exercises never did. I think praying is easier than being anxious. But we don't even recognize his presence. We don't even know. It's easy. Praying is easier than being anxious. It's easier. But we've just never used those muscles. And you begin to use those muscles and everything lines up. And you find, as it says in the next verse, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. We find the peace of God. So in conclusion, in every situation, practice prayer and petition. Exercise a muscle that you didn't know you had. And think about it. Don't even be heroic. And you're going to find anxiety is going to go down in your life and you're going to experience the peace that you've always longed for simply because you recognized the power and presence of God in your life in every situation. Can I pray for us in this regard? Father, I thank you that you don't ask us to lift heavy weights and to do impressive feats to overcome our anxiety, to overcome our discouragement and depression and all the other things that we battle with daily all the things that cause so much stress. I just think of the financial stress that so many of us are in. The emotional stress that we find ourselves in. And you ask us to start to remember you, to pray, to ask our Father for things. Father, I thank you that we have a way out. And it's not by trying harder and making life smaller. It's by simply recognizing your presence. So I ask today from my friends that you would give us the grace to remember you, to remember you in every situation, to begin to flex a muscle that we didn't even know we had or needed. So Father, would you awaken our need to relationally connect with you through the act of prayer. Thank you, Father.